join me in prayer? Oh, Lord, we thank you for this scripture, for this opportunity to read it together, for this opportunity to hear your word. And Lord, I pray that in these coming moments that you would speak through me and speak in spite of me. In Jesus' name, amen. Recently, um, the whole family, my whole family, we went uh, to Walmart, and uh, we were walking around the grocery section, and we were going from aisle to aisle, and we weren't just kind of grocery shopping, we were trying to decide what we all wanted for dinner that night. And I don't know if you've ever been with a group of people trying to decide what you want for dinner, um, but it was quite the challenge. Uh, we went from aisle to aisle. Um, what are you in the mood for? Well, I don't really know. Um, how about this? How about that? Mm, I don't think so. And then I would say, well, well, how about we have this together? And only one person was in agreement with that, uh, where the rest were not. And we just looked like lost puppies floating around um, uh, Walmart. We were getting in people's way because we were just kind of huddled around in a circle trying to decide, all right, what do you want? What do you want to get? What do you want to get? And eventually, we couldn't come to an agreement. We couldn't figure out what we all wanted for dinner together. Usually, we plan these things out throughout the week, but uh, for whatever reason, that particular day, we just didn't do it, and we didn't know what we wanted. So, what ended up happening uh, was that we just kind of sent each other off on our own ways and said, well, you get what you would like, and you get what you would like, and we'll just have that for dinner. Uh, so a couple of us had one thing, and then another person had something separate, another person had something separate, and we ate together, and it was wonderful. But it was, it was really hard to come to a decision. It was like even though we were family, we couldn't seem to agree on anything in the moment. We all have so much in common with each other, and we talk about so many different things, but yet, when it came to dinner, we couldn't seem to agree on anything. And sometimes a universal church, a church all around the globe, uh, is like that, isn't it? The body of Christ, that there's division um, around many things um, in the church throughout the world. There are billions of Christians in the world, and believe it or not, we all don't agree on everything together. The list could go on and on on all the things the church over the years has not agreed on. So what does Paul have in mind when he's sharing that the church in Corinth should be in agreement and that there should be no divisions among them? This seems like it would be impossible for humans to do, for humans to even accomplish. Well, first of all, Corinth, uh, the place where Paul is writing, if you live in Corinth, you're a Corinthian, so he's writing to the church in Corinth, and Corinth is an interesting place. It was a powerful Greek city-state at one point, and it was destroyed by the Romans in like 144, somewhere in there, B.C., and then it was kind of left dormant until about 44 B.C., so about 30 or 40 years before the birth of Jesus. And then Julius Caesar kind of refounded that colony. And he put uh, freed slaves there, and he also put a lot of poor people there as well. So that's how Corinth kind of started regaining strength and coming back to life. But even several ancient travelers would say that the trip to Corinth is not for every man. Corinth had a reputation for trouble, 
And sometimes people would even use the language that you've been Corinthianized. So if you would go to Corinth, and then if you stayed in Corinth and, and you became a, a person that was materialistic or a person that was immoral, they would say, oh, you've been Corinthianized. You've been around here too long. Now you're immoral just like us, and now you're materialistic just like us. So Corinth was a great place, obviously, to spread the gospel, to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, not only because the people needed to hear it, but Corinth was also a major port city. So there was lots of coming in and going out, water surrounding, and it was a big part of the Asia Minor uh, trade. You know, there was a lot of, lot of uh, things going on in the city of Corinth. But Corinth, as I've said before, was also pro, uh, Paul's problem child. Uh, they really, the believers in Corinth seemed to really misunderstand just about everything Paul was trying to say to them. When Paul wrote the letter that we now call 1 Corinthians, this church was just in utter chaos. There was divisiveness taking place based on social status, based on spiritual status, and Paul's goal in the letter, it seems, is to convince the Corinthians to embody the cross in daily life in light of the resurrection and also in light of Jesus coming back again. The theme of the um, first four chapters of 1 Corinthians is all about unity. It's about Christian unity. And we see in verse 10, as I just read, where Paul says, Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. So Paul's making a bold appeal to plead with the church that in the name of Jesus, they must be in agreement with one another and that there should be no divisions among them. But what divisions might Paul be talking about? Because Paul's saying that for a reason. And there are some quarrels, as the Scripture teaches us, that are going on uh, among the people. Some people are saying, well, I belong to Paul. And some are saying, well, I belong to Apollos. And others are saying, well, I belong to Cephas. And they're kind of getting the message wrong. And Paul's asking them these rhetorical questions. And he's thinking, uh, excuse me, um, were, were you baptized in the name of Paul? Was Paul crucified for you? I don't think so. He's telling them that you were all baptized, but you weren't baptized in the name of the preachers that presented the gospel to you. So stop identifying with them. You were baptized into Christ. We were all baptized into Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Paul's reminding them that they are family and that they are all united through their faith in Christ. That's one of Paul's messages to the early churches is that you are all one through your faith. Practice unity. And the church certainly from time to time is going to disagree on things. Absolutely, we're human, but we are unified around the death and resurrection of Jesus. We are unified through our faith. We are unified through our baptism. We are unified in the fact that we are all sinners in the need of God's grace in our lives. The church may have their differences, but we have a lot more in common than we sometimes think. And I was thinking about that this week about what are some of the things that the church universal around the world, what are some things that we can gather around and remind ourselves that even in our disagreements, that we are united and we have more in common than we think. So I got thinking about unity 
And I got thinking about what church unity looks like. And I always want to promote church unity and that we are stronger together. But about there's so many different social concerns in the world and controversial topics that the church <clears throat> over the years has not seen eye to eye on. We all come to our conclusions, hopefully through Scripture first, and then our own experience also plays a role in what we believe. But in the midst of our disagreements, what can we be united around? I was thinking about that all week. We can be reminded of several things as we gather together as the church, because even among us here, there's disagreements because we're people, and that just happens when you get this many people in one space is that we're all not going to agree on every single thing. So there's so much that unites us that I want to highlight this morning. I want to share them with you because unity is a really good thing, and unity helps our witness in the world to those who are not part of the Christian faith. <clears throat> when people see us, when they see unity, that's a good thing. So I want to share three things with you this morning about <clears throat> in the midst of disagreements, what are some things that we can be united around? And one of those things is loving God and loving neighbor, that we can be united in loving God and loving neighbor together. This past weekend, or not this weekend, but last weekend, if you watch sports, <clears throat> you know the Super Bowl is set for next week. Uh, next Sunday, and it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs versus the San Francisco 49ers. And last week, each of those teams played in their home stadiums. The Chiefs played in Kansas City, and the, the 49ers played in San Francisco. And if you watch those games, you notice that the home crowd filled the stadium. They filled the stadium, and they cheered for their team, and they went crazy because their team was going to the Super Bowl. And it was just a special moment for both of those cities and for the people that were in attendance. Now, if you were to poll the 60, 70, 80,000 people that attended each of those games, and you polled them as they came into the stadium about what they believe about this, what they believe about that, uh, what their ethnicity is, what their age is, what their favorite food is, what their favorite movie is, what, what they don't like the most, you would have seen all kinds of disagreement. You would have seen people of all different ages, different races, uh, from different places around the city. You would have seen all sorts of division. But you know what? When they got into that stadium, they became one. They all cheered, even in their disagreements, when their team scored a touchdown. They all cheered at the end of the game, and they all probably, some of them probably even hugged strangers because their team was going to the Super Bowl, and it was an amazing moment. And that could be a picture of what it looks like to be the church, is that, yes, there's disagreements, but when we come together, and when we come together in unity around certain things that we all agree on, that strengthens us. And one of the things that we can gather around is loving God and loving our neighbor. It's the greatest commandment that Jesus gives us. What does it look like for us to love God through worship and through um, devotion through our private quiet time with God or uh, scripture reading, whatever that may be, our prayer. What does it look like to love our neighbors, to show compassion to people who, who are in need of compassion, 
to just love people, even if you don't know them or not. If we, could you imagine uh, what the world would look like uh, if the billions of Christians just practiced that every day, just loving their neighbors of how, how much of a great witness that would be. Loving God and loving neighbor is a non-negotiable. I know many Christians who don't agree with each other about many things, but this usually is not one of them. Most all Christians will say that loving God and loving each other is an important part of our discipleship, and it's an important part of following Jesus. So let's be united around that. The other thing we can be united around is some of the old creeds from the early centuries that the church formed and passed along to us. One of them is the Apostles' Creed. That's something that Christians should be able to to huddle around and get around together because in the Apostles' Creed uh, that was formed in the early centuries, this is, a, this is an affirmation of our faith. This is saying, uh, you know, this is what we believe. This creed deals a lot with Jesus about his life, his death, and resurrection. And, you know, imagine if we, before we sat down with somebody we don't agree with, if we looked at this together and we said, hey, I know we don't agree on everything, but let's agree on this. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, who was born of the Virgin Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, who was crucified, dead, and buried, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, for thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Catholic, the universal church around the world. I believe in the communion of saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the resurrection of the body. I believe in the life everlasting. <clears throat> Amen. Imagine saying that together and saying, now, what were we going to talk about? Because we all believe this together. I think huddling around the Apostles' Creed is something that unites us and something that <clears throat> reminds us that we have a lot more in common than sometimes we think. And last but not least, there are many things that can unite us, but I think just three words will just about do it. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Hey, I don't see eye to eye with you on this, but let's agree that Jesus is Lord. Jesus Christ is the resurrected Son of God. He has been given all power and been given all authority. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is Lord and Savior, and that's part of the reason we gather here. And if you are a follower of Jesus and a deeply committed Christian, that's a statement that we can get around that Jesus is Lord. Let's love God, love our neighbors. Let's remember the importance of, of the affirmation of our faith in the Apostles' Creed, and let us gather around the fact that Jesus is Lord. So Paul's words to strive for unity are perhaps some that can still speak to the church today. What would Paul say if he saw the church in the world today in 2020? What's a letter that Paul would write? Would he still strive to say, please, for the sake of Jesus Christ, be united with one another? I don't know what Paul would say, but
but he talked a lot about unity in the first century, and I have a feeling he would talk a lot about unity today, that we're all one in Christ, even in our disagreements, that we all struggle, we all go through hardships. No matter if we disagree on things, sometimes we get sick, sometimes we go through really bad um, amounts and seasons of pain and loss. And you know what? We still gather around each other and we still pray for each other because we care about one another, even in our differences. So may the church be known more for what we agree on than for what we disagree on. May the church be known more for unity than for division. May the church be seen as the body that loves others and loves them. May the church be a visible extension of the hands and feet of Christ in the world. And may you and I, as the church, as we go out into the world and the church scatters, everybody in this uh, sanctuary this morning, imagine all the places that we're going to go this week, all the places that all of us are going to scatter to, the different states and different counties and different buildings and different schools and we all scatter out into the world and into the community. Imagine what it would look like if we continued to be the church out in the world and in the community and showed love for our neighbors. That's a powerful witness in the world. So may we be somebody who practices unity and may we be somebody who does not practice divisiveness. And may we practice peace, and may that peace begin with us. So let's pray.